Well, I hate to disappoint anyone that was coming to hear about Revelation this morning, but we're not going to be in Revelation this morning. Rob's going to continue teaching that for us. But this morning we are going to be studying something that that I think we can all use work on. We can all uh, gain something, I think, from this message this morning. We're going to be talking about prayer. And we're going to be uh, taking a look at Jesus' prayer life. Um, and, and, and how he prayed and, and what he prayed for. And I think the best thing I can say at the beginning of, of the message is I think we need to just take an overview look at this, and I think we need to take and, and, and try to apply it to our lives as to what he was speaking of. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, I'd ask you to tur- turn to the Gospel of John, the 17th chapter. And we're going to take a look at the whole chapter this morning, but we're going to kind of stay on, a, on a, an overview site of it, so we'll try not to keep you here for two or three hours. But we're going to take a look as an overview site of, of prayer this morning and, and, and how Jesus' prayer life was. Now, while you're turning there, Jesus is speaking these words in the 17th chapter of John, which is going to be right prior to his crucifixion. And... Yet we kind of have to put ourselves in the setting. Back in John chapter 14, Jesus is speaking to his disciples about that he's going to be going away. He's going to be going away and, and the, the Holy Spirit is going to be coming in his place. And I think we can certainly understand probably the, the confusion in those hearts. I've always kind of thought about that as just to how confused they must have been whenever they were hearing these words because they didn't really understand. And of course, doubting Thomas... He didn't let us down. He doubted. He wondered, where are you going, Jesus? How do I know the way? Like I said, Jesus is speaking these words right before his betrayal and arrest. And before we start into it, I, I, a commentator put it this way, and I think this is something that we need to think about when it comes to our prayer life. A commentator once said, prayer is not the way to get God to do our will in heaven. Prayer is the way to get man to do God's will on earth. That's something to think about. When I came across that, I normally don't like to quote people too much, and, but I had to on that one. I, I really think we need to, because too often I think we, we try to tell God what we want, and we try to tell God what, what we think is best on earth, when in reality it may not make sense to us, but we need to be seeking a heart that's according to God's will. And it's difficult sometimes. I have a problem with it. I'm sure everyone would raise their hand if I told you to. And don't raise your hand, by the way. But I think everyone would probably have a, a problem with that sometimes because it's so much in our human being to, in human nature to do that. So we're going to start off in verse 1. And we're going to read up to verse 6 to begin with. It says, Jesus spoke these words, lifted his eyes to heaven, and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son also may glorify you, as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know that you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent, I have glorified you on the earth, I have finished the work which you have given me to do, and now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Well, we kind of see there that Jesus begins this prayer. He's lifting his eyes to heaven. 
And the first thing he's doing is praying for himself. Now, I've heard some people say, well, I don't like to pray for myself too much. I mean, I just kind of feel bad. I feel like I should be praying for everyone else. And, you know, just, just praying for myself doesn't feel right sometimes. But in reality, that's really false. We should always be praying for ourselves. We should always seek God's will in our lives. We should always, every decision we make, we should be praying for ourselves in the decision. Lord, what do you want done here? It could be the smallest decision that, that, that what you would think would be small, According to us on earth, God wants to be a part of it. That's the beauty of it. God wants to be a part of every single decision we make in our lives. I've had someone tell me one time also that, well, I, I don't want to pray for that. That's, that's, the Lord don't want to worry about those things. No, that's, that's wrong. The Lord absolutely wants to worry about those things. The Lord absolutely wants to hear from us with all of our decisions. It could be something just as simple as, Lord, what do you want me to do today? You wake up in the morning in your morning prayers and you say, Lord, I don't have anything that I, that I don't have to work today. What do you want me to do for you today? It could be just something as simple as that. Or, or even if you do have to work, Lord, is there someone that you want me to talk to at work this morning? Is there someone that needs to hear from you? It could be just something as simple as that. And we should always be praying for God's will, as I said just a few moments ago. Lord, just make sure it's according to your will whenever you give the answer. Because sometimes we don't like the answers. I mean, how impatient can we get sometimes? You know, we're saying, Lord, we want you to uh, do something in our lives. And, and next thing you know, it's weeks, days go by, weeks go by, months goes by, maybe years go by. And we're like, well, he didn't hear me on that prayer. No, no, that's not the case at all. He heard you. It just wasn't in his time yet. It just wasn't in his time. Now, along with Jesus praying for himself, I want you to see in those first few verses we just read that Jesus asks God to glorify him. I wonder sometimes, do we ask God to glorify us so that we can glorify him? Is that some, sometimes in our prayers? It kind of took me a minute when I was reading this. I'm like, well, sometimes I yeah, sometimes I don't. You see, God designed us so that we can glorify him on our walk on this earth. Do we live our lives that truly glorify God? Or sometimes I think, and this can be a, a, a really bad place to be for any one person, but sometimes are we more worried about glorifying ourselves? And this can be anyone from, from standing at a pulpit all the way just to, to sitting in the, the church pews in, in, in church. You know, do we, do we do things? What's our heart when we're doing these things? Are we trying to, and, and I'm not a pastor, and I know when, when Rob planted this church, we've all heard him so many times say that he's just came here to teach the Bible and let, let the Lord bring people in. He never went out and advertised and done all, that, all those different things. But I think sometimes we can get into a point where we try to go out and we want to make this, this mega church or something to make ourselves look better, but we're really not glorifying God by, by trying to do those things. We're, we, we were more or less glorifying ourselves when we do those different things. We're, we're more worried about making ourselves look successful than making God look successful and bringing people into the church pews, or, or in any case, and that's just an example that came to mind. But are we truly glorifying God when we do things? We need to ask. We need to pray for that. Jesus was praying for it in his prayer. So if Jesus was doing it, why shouldn't we do it? Do we ask God to glorify us? so that we can glorify Him. It could be anything from, from maybe going and speaking to someone about Jesus. Maybe someone at work, you know, that, that needs to hear of Jesus. Well, when we 
possibly would speak to them and, and what happens if they accept the Lord and where would our heart be on that case? Do we say, well, we, I just led someone to Christ or do we say, well, God used me to lead someone to the Lord this morning? It's, a, it's an area that's, that's so easy to slip into of trying to glorify ourselves when we should be glorifying God. And it's not intentional sometimes. It really isn't. And I constantly evaluate myself as to, am I getting a little bit off track here? Is it truly in our heart to glorify our Lord and Savior? Or are we trying to do it sometimes just to be a moment in the spotlight? Something to think about. Now, the next thing I really want you to see out of that section of Scripture in verses 1 through 5, do we set out to finish the work that He has given us? In um, chapter verse 4 there, it says, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. Jesus knew His work was completed. Now, do I think we're ever going to complete all the work that God has for us on this earth? No. There's not going to be a time that we're going to come like, well, that's it. All your work's done. You've done everything on, on earth for me, and uh, that, that's going to be it. You don't have to do anything anymore. No, I don't think that's going to, to uh, be the case at all. But something we need to think about is, uh, is, is we need to spend time in prayer and, and just see if we've set out to finish a season in our lives. You know, sometimes we see seasons end, and to an earthly person, to our earthly body, we feel that when these seasons end, be it because maybe someone isn't coming anymore. Or, matter of fact, I know a great pastor, knew him very well. And he came to plant a church in the little town where I was from, out in Centerville. And this man taught the Word of God. He taught it well. But he, he recently, within the past year, the church closed. Does that mean that he's not had a successful church? Or does that mean that maybe a season has ended? Well, the season ended. He did everything, God. We've had, we've had conversations. I know Becky's had conversations with his wife that they did everything exactly to the best of their ability to do what God had set forth for them. And in the end, the door closed. It can happen with ministry. It can happen with season in our li- seasons in our lives. It can happen with anything of that nature that sometimes we have to close a door on something. Sometimes we have to change a season on something. I just want to make sure that, that, that we need to realize that that just doesn't mean that we failed at something when that happens. It doesn't mean we failed at something. Because that work's finished. God had a purpose for that situation, whether it was to plant a church, whether it was to start a ministry, whether it was to start doing a home Bible study at home, whether it was to, to do whatever, and maybe that season ended. We set out, and we, we, have we really set out to finish that work? Maybe it's to open up a new opportunity to begin something else. Have you ever thought about that? Sometimes when we uh, come to a close of a season, like I said, God's not going to just say, okay, that's it, you're done. Just, just do what you want now. No, absolutely not. We got something else. It's something, it's, it should, really, it could be exciting. I mean, this season came to an end. What's next? I can't wait to see what's next for what God has for us to do. You see, we need to understand that when we're given a task by the Lord, we need to finish the work, keep seeking His will, keep praying, keep praying for ourselves, seek His will, glorify Him through our work, and then when the time comes that if He wants it finished, then that's, that's something we may do. 
Do we truly set out, though, in our heart that, Lord, I'll stay with this the rest of my life if I have to, just to finish the work that you've called me to do? You know, I thought of it this way, and, you know, this is... But what if we didn't finish the work that he called us to do? What if we started something, started a ministry, or started, you know, whatever the ministry is. We started it, and then we just got tired of it. Halfway through it, we said, you know what, it's, I don't feel like doing it anymore, and I, uh, I just got tired of it, and, and, and we quit it on our own. God's still saying, hey, I want you to keep doing it. We're saying, no, I'm not, I, don't, I, I don't have time anymore. My life's, life's too busy. Wouldn't that be kind of disappointing the Lord if we didn't complete the work that he had set us out to do? Wouldn't, you, wouldn't we be a little bit, wow, I disappointed the Lord. He wanted me to continue on and doing what I was doing, but I felt I didn't want to do it anymore, so I just quit doing it. Now, that's not to be confused with. Sometimes, as I said, the season ends, and, 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 and sometimes we don't go along with that. We say, no, Lord, just, he's saying, no, the season's ending, son. I need you to... Uh, go ahead and kind of close, wrap this up, and I got something else better for you. No, Lord, I'm going to stay right here and continue doing what I've been doing. I'm comfortable with it now, maybe, or it's, it, it, it feels right, and I'm just going to continue to do what I want to do. That's not a good place to be also. You know, sometimes if we find ourselves, and what will happen is, and, and more often than not, I know Rob's even spoke of this here before also, we try to start doing it then in our own strength. The Lord's not helping us at that point. We're doing it in our own strength. And you know what's going to happen? We're going to find ourselves extremely, extremely burdened. We're going to find ourselves extremely burdened. Things are never going to go right. It's going to feel like something like, well, I got to do it now. This go do this this certain thing this week um, that I that I feel that I need to do. And the Lord's saying, I don't want you to do that to begin with. But you're you're doing it on your own. Always remember that we'll find when we do anything for God, anything at all, ministry to run in your household, to whatever the case is, his yoke's always going to be light. He's not going to put more onto you than what you can handle. And that's something we always need to remember. He's going to put on us the amount of work that he wants us to handle. Now, as we move on to starting in verse 6, I'm going to read up to 11. It says, I have manifested your name to the men whom you've given me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have known all the things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given me. And they have received them and have known surely that I come forth from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all, are mine, and all mine are yours and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now that I'm no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those from you have given me, that they may be one as we are. We see Jesus switch gears a little bit in this prayer. We see now he's praying for his disciples. And in the first verse there, we see, I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. Manifest comes from the Greek word phainru, which means to shine forth. It means to shine forth. God should shine forth or be manifested in our lives. You see, we should be able to see the light of Christ shining out of each and every one of us 
just by, uh, by seeing it, by, by not necessarily hearing words come out of someone's mouth. It doesn't have to be, shouldn't necessarily be spoken. We should just be able to see God's love coming out of each and every one of us. Now, this sometimes can be difficult because it seems like we face things throughout our day that changes gears and makes it not seem that case. But, you see, Jesus lived a life on this earth that people could know and they could tell that he was the Son of God. They knew there was something different about him. They knew there was something different about him. They could see God through his walk and him, for through him and his walk on earth. You know, I wonder sometimes, do we show God's true love in our hearts, or sometimes do we really just kind of show our true selves? It's, it's a place we all can be, and we're all going to be, and all of us are, are I think, guilty for that sometimes, but I just wonder that if, if someone were to try to say, which one do you think is a Christian? Would we, would we shine out? Would, would that... Would we manifest God? Would we shine forth? Or would we just kind of fit in with the rest? You see, they can see, they saw that uh, God's work through the Son. They saw God's work through Jesus. People knew He was different. And He looked, and just looked different to people when they were around Him. You know, sometimes I think that we can run into days that we can... You know, like I said, things start happening, and next thing you know, we're going into areas we probably shouldn't go, and, and times get tough, and, and uh, you know, something may slip sometimes out of our mouths, and we could be around people, and, and that's going to happen. I mean, that, that, it, it shouldn't, but over time, God's going to work on us with that. But the thing is, do we look different? Are we, can you, could you pick us out of a crowd with how our actions? Could you say that, well, the... Because sometimes people just don't understand. The, the world doesn't understand what's different about us Christians. They don't understand. They, they just can't tell, but, the, but they know that there's something different, but they don't understand what it is. They see these, these Christians getting up at whatever time in the morning and going to church, and they just wonder sometimes, well, how can they do that? What, what do they have motivating them? Well, they know that, that they want to go hear, from, hear God's Word taught. They want to go Go spend time in worship with the Lord. They, they, they want to do that. They, they, those things help us grow so we can shine forth in, the, in a dark world that's ever becoming darker. You know, we can read things in that newspaper sitting out there that we we've never would fathom we would see or hear. We see things on the news that, that we just can't understand. But through it all, we need to shine forth. We need to have Jesus manifested in our lives, shine forth to get through this earth. Now, understand when that's all said also that we're not going to be perfect, so that's a good thing. We're never going to, we're never going to reach perfection on this earth, never. We can do our best, we can, we can keep praying, we can keep asking God to change our lives, we can keep asking Him to grow us, we can keep asking Him, Lord, what do you want me to get rid of? I'll get rid of it, we can start getting rid of things. He's going to start off probably easy, and then, then the more difficult change that we have, well, that may take some time. And, and when I say it may take time, it may be right up until the moment he calls us home or the moment the rapture happens. It could take that long, and it, it, we're always going to be a work in, work in progress. But we need to make sure that we shine forth, manifest Jesus' name, manifest the Lord's name. He says also that he's no longer in the world, but these are in the world. 
And I think we most of us understand what the, when the Bible says about worldly things. I know we talk about it a lot. We hear about it a lot in the church, and in any church. This one I, also, I'm sure. But we, we, we hear the word, the world. And sometimes do we really understand what that means? Well, there's really three things that, can, that make up the world. First, the planet that we live on. We're living on Earth. We know that, I think. That's the first part of it. But the second thing is the humanity on the world. But the third thing that I think is really the most important to realize that when we're talking about the world and trying to stay out of the world is the worldly system. The system in which we live in that, well, it's, it's, it, it, it's kind of bad. I mean, let's admit it. It's, it's a bad worldly system. God's been pushed farther and farther out of, out of different ways in, in, in the world. I mean, you know, a, a country that once was founded on godly principles, not, it's no one's concern. We're more worried about that, that well, if the Christians can have their, their, their different symbols, then Antichrist, is, as John would say in 1 John, is, is, is what, uh, what they want also for the atheists. You see, Jesus is praying in this prayer for those that are in the worldly system. No matter what we do, we're going to be in the worldly system. Don't get me wrong this morning. I'm not saying we should go and say, well, you know what, let's just remove ourselves out of it. Let's just start our own town. And no, that's not, not what I'm saying whatsoever. That's, that's, that's completely wrong. But he's praying for us, those that are in the worldly system. But see here, he has not called them to live as the worldly system, even though we are in the worldly system. Now, this part can be difficult because the things of the world, the things that everyone knows about, well, sometimes it doesn't line up with Scripture. Sometimes we find that things people want us to do or tell us to do or the, the cool ways of the world or the things that everyone's doing now doesn't line up with Scripture. I always remember a quote that was given to me, and I have no idea who gave it to me, but it says, remember that we should be in the world, not of the world. Very important quote. I always use that. I think it's excellent in this case that we're not, no matter what we can do, we're always going to be in this worldly system, but let's not be of the worldly system. You see, we should align ourselves with what Scripture says and not what the world says. And that can be difficult because the world says that this, this, the words in this book, they don't mean the same as what they did back when it was written. That's what the world says about it. The world says, well, you know, that was good then, but this is now. Well, we know that this is as good then, and it's just as good now as ever. And we need to constantly remember that. We're not going to change the words of this from then to make it for what we want it to be now. And people's not going to, you know, the, the unsaved especially aren't going to understand that. They're going to say, well, how can you tell me what to do by reading words out of a book that was written thousands of years ago. That doesn't make sense. Well, we can tell because we know that the Bible is truth. Everything in the Bible is truth. There's not one mistake in the Bible. It's all truth. We need to align our beliefs up as to what Scripture says and not what the world says. As soon as we start trying to compromise one little bit, and we're, as a world, the world is compromising it a lot. But as soon as in a Christian life we try to compromise one thing and say, well, 
I agree with everything except that I, I think we need to change that up a little bit now. It's now that we're in 2015. Let's change that a little bit. We see things happen in, in, in different churches even where doctrines changed. At, at one time, they completely relied upon the doctrine of the Bible. They completely aligned themselves with what the Bible says. Now, well, we're going to make this be okay. We sat down with the board and we, we talked it over. And even though God's Word says one thing, we think we need to be a little bit loose on this subject. No, that's a dangerous spot to be. That's absolutely dangerous to be. And I think, sometimes, I think the showers of blessings from the Lord for those cases definitely could dry up very quickly by, by changing the things of the Bible. We need not change it for the world. We need to be out trying to change the world as far as seeking people for Christ. Now, verse 12, I'm not going to speak a whole lot about. It says, While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your names, name. Those whom you gave me, I've, I have kept. And none of them is lost except the son of perdition, which is the scripture might be fulfilled. What he's speaking of there is Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples that fell away. But it was also prophesied in the Old Testament that that was going to happen. So that's what Jesus is speaking of there whenever he says the one that was lost. That was the one that fell away, Judas Iscariot. Continuing on through verses 13 and 14. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your, your word, and the world has hated them because of it, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. One thing you'll, and this is kind of an important couple of verses of Scripture, and I, I know that we see this happening very often now, nowadays. The unsaved world, they dislike things of the Lord, and they dislike most Christians. That's just the truth of it. The unsaved world dislikes things of God and Christians. We see times, well, let's think about it. Let's, have you ever walked up to someone? Maybe you haven't, that's fine too. But have you ever walked up to someone and said, you wouldn't believe what I heard in church today. I was talking about this study and, and you start, start talking to them and you know, they're kind of you know, not, not worrying about what you're saying. And then the next thing you go, you might ask them, well, have you given your life to Christ, Christ yet? Do you know Jesus is your Savior? Well, sometimes that, just, that can just erupt into a complete ball of fire. Don't you come telling me about, about your God. I have my beliefs, and I don't believe it that way, and this, that, and the other. They, they hate the things of the Bible. They hate, they hate what you're trying to tell them. What we're telling them when we go up to witness to someone, if that's the case, and if that's what God has you do, and they get mad at you, you're just telling them truth. We're, we're sitting here with an open Bible going through Scripture with them, and don't you tell me about that stuff. I ran into that one time at, at, uh, with someone I, I worked with. I spent several years talking to him about the Lord. I spent several years. I've been over there at my workplace for 10 years. I would say it's been probably, probably spent eight years. Well, not quite that long. I guess it would have been maybe three years. In any case, whatever the number was, I would always, once I got saved and, and, and understood what, what, and that was one of the first things that God had called me to do, go talk to him. Go talk to him about the things of the Lord. Went up to him one time. I said, so what do you think about these things? And said, I, I don't believe that stuff. Just get out of here with that garbage. That's what he told me. 
Went back to him a couple months later, a year later, whatever it was. I don't remember the timeline. I, don't, I told you before, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear that stuff. Okay. Well, it's been about, what, a year now? That I said about, about a year, year and a half. I went up to him one time, and I thought, I'm going to take a different approach to this guy. This guy, he, 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 excellent friend of mine. I love him to death. But you've got to take a different approach with some people. So I went to every verse in the Bible that had hellfire in it, and I went up to him with those verses. I said, now, what do you think about this? This is what's going to happen if you don't make this decision. This is where you're going to spend eternity. And just now, you know, you always want to try to go lovingly. You know, I always talk about how, how John, even in his later uh, epistles, speaks, you know, little children. You know, you want to start that way first, but sometimes you've got to go at him a little bit. And I did with my friend. This time, his, he kind of... His eyes kind of got a little bit big and kind of bowed his head and said, I don't want to go there. And I said, I know you don't want to go there. So do you want to call upon the Lord and make Jesus your Savior? Well, he accepted Jesus that day. And, you know, you see the fruits now. So what I was, what, the reason I say that story, and, I, I've, you know, he's, he's a work in progress like all of us, but that's okay. God, let God do that. Don't let me or any other man Go up to and say, well, you need to change this. You need to change that now. You need to do that. No. Tell them to pray and ask God what they want them to change. Don't, don't let someone start, start blasting them out of the water as to what they need to change. God knows what he wants to change with, with that person, that you, if that's the case. And we see fruit of, from, you know, I've definitely seen a change in him, and, and he asks questions now, and, and, he'll, and I'm trying to get him in these church doors. But that might take some more time, too. But that's okay. I'm not going to give up on it. The reason I say all that whole story is to say this, and Jesus realized it, and he said it also, that the, the unsaved world just are, are not going to, we're in the world, but the unsaved world is just not going to accept the things of God and accept Christians. You know, and it also says here, it says um, in verse 15, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. You see, Jesus isn't saying here that, well, I don't want you guys to be put into this situation, so I'm just going to remove you from it. No, he does. he's not saying that at all. He's saying you're going to be in this situation. You're going to have this situation happen. But here's what I want you to do, and I want you to realize that this is going to happen. Torment from the enemy. Not only are the unsaved Christians going to come at us about things of God, we're going to have the enemy torment us all the time. That's what I said to my wife. I said, this week, this is the fourth service I've held this week. I said, this week, I knew my, weeks back, whenever I was, knew I was going to have this, this schedule this week, that it was going to be a long week because the enemy was going to be there every step of the way, every little thing. But I think we need to make sure that we anticipate that, and that's the best way to overcome those situations. We anticipate that when we do things for God, the enemy's going to try to mess with us and take, us, take our focus off of God and try to put focus on him. And that's something we don't want to do. I think the best thing to do is to anticipate that these things are going to happen. Stay in prayer. Stay in the word. Don't put yourself in situations that could kind of be iffy. Just, just keep in prayer. Keep in the Bible. Keep asking God to keep the enemy away from us. That's the best thing to do. Because that's what, what um, John sa Jesus says here. You should, he prays that you should keep them from the evil one. He's going to keep us from it, but we need to be in his word. We need to be praying. Like I said, Jesus didn't want to remove us from this situation, but to protect and give us strength 
to fight the enemy when he comes our way. We have the best sword that we could ever think of when it comes to fighting the enemy, and it's right here. Just keeping that word. I always tell my wife, I always remind him, and we're, we'll, in the upcoming weeks, we'll, we'll read it in Revelation. I always remind him where he's going to spend eternity, where he's going to be tor- tormented night and day forever and ever. And, and I'm not going to say any more than that since that's going to be upcoming teaching, but that's what I always re- remind the enemy whenever he starts on me. I say, you know where you're going to be someday. But also, we need to be careful because I think sometimes we can put too much emphasis on worrying about what the enemy is going to do to us. You see, I think sometimes we can get so tied up in this fact that we're going to be attacked, we're going to have the enemy attacking us, that we then lose focus on what God's trying to tell us. And that's something we don't want to have happen. You see, John puts it in 1 John this way, don't marvel over these things. He was talking about basically the same principle that, that things like this are going to happen. The enemy's going to happen, but don't marvel over them. Don't marvel because worldly people and unsafe people may, may hate you. Don't, don't marvel over that. Don't marvel over the fact that the enemy's at you. Just regroup, focus, get in the word, get into prayer, and move forward. Don't dwell on it. Don't, don't dwell on it and make it because what will happen is we're going to start worrying about, well, we're fighting the enemy all week, and then next thing we're out of our really course of study. We're out of our, our Bible. While we're putting more time over here when we should be putting more time over here. Don't marvel over these things, as it would be said in the book of First John. Verses 16 through 19 say, They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they may be sanctified by truth. You see, the moment we accept Jesus as our Savior, the moment we get saved, whatever term you want to put to that, we are sanctified. Well, what's that mean? Sanctified means to set apart. We're set apart. The moment we get saved. Now, there are several schools of thought in, in, in sanctification. I tend to want to line up with the fact that we get sanctified when we're saved, and then it's a progress. We, we have progress towards becoming more holy. And remember that being holy doesn't mean that you're a perfect person and you just don't do anything. Being holy is working towards the things of God, growing in the Lord to be more like Him. That's our goal while we walk this earth. We want to be more like Him. We're never going to be Him. We're never going to be just like Him. We're never going to be close. But we need to work towards that. You see, when we accept Jesus, or, or as if we turn back to Him, whatever the case is, we need to learn to love the Lord in a more intimate way. Like I said, understand that we're not going to be, ever be perfect. Well, we will be one day when He takes us home, or if He comes back to rapture His church, we'll be perfect then. But on this body, in this, in this, in this life, until we lay aside that physical body, we're never going to be perfect. But the only way we can sanctify or set ourselves apart is by truth. And I know I said it in the the previous point, but we know that the truth comes from within the Bible. Everything in there is perfect and for God's ways. And always remember with that, that we are all called to be witnesses of the word and the truth of God. We're all called to go out and be witnesses. We're all called to go share the gospel. And we need to do that because, well, that worldly system's getting worse. And the only thing that 
we can do is, is seek souls for the Lord. And because, well, the revelation, what we're learning, that, that may not be too awful long from now. We never know, though. And then lastly, um, in verse 20, we'll just read 22, 26. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. In the glory which you have gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may, may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that, I, that you have sent me, and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you gave me, may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory for which you have given me. For you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these things have known that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name, and I will declare it, that the love which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. I think it's amazing, because the last point, the main point there is the, this morning, is that Jesus was praying for all the believers. You know what that means? He was praying for us, all the believers that would come to him someday. Isn't that hard to imagine that Jesus was actually praying for all those that will become a child of His? It's all of us. It's us. He was praying for us. We wouldn't even imagine a love that divine that He began to pray for everyone before they even had a physical birth, and not only that, before they even had their spiritual birth. He was praying for us. But I think an important point we need to see in this talks about the unity that he wants, that all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may be one in us and they may believe that you sent me. And glory which you have gave me, I've given them that they may be one just as we are one. Jesus here is praying for unity. He's praying for unity among believers. This can sometimes be an area that gets touchy with some people. It can kind of be an area that, that, that gets, you know, dangerous to speak about, whatever the case is. You see, the Lord doesn't want there to be division among His believers. He don't want us believers quarreling with each other, fighting about what you're right, I'm wrong, I'm right, you're wrong. He doesn't want this. He wants unity. All become one. He doesn't want there to be a division in the church, and so often it happens. So often it happens that there's becomes church divisions. First thing you see happen, you know, there comes a little click here that those, those don't associate with those in that back pew and that other area, they don't talk to that. that, that no, very dangerous, very dangerous. We need to be all one. First, in our congregation, we all need to be one and have unity, but we all need to remember to have unity even if we're of different denomination, even if we're from different churches, even if we're from different backgrounds, they're all believers that there's unity. God doesn't want there to be separation among believers. I had this, this conversation one time. Actually, it was out of, and, and here again, it could have been maybe the, it was at my nursing home group. 
And, you know, what his comment was, we was talking, just kind of had the opening uh, prayer and, you know, how's everyone doing, this, that, and the other. And he said, well, this isn't church. And I said, no, 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 you're extremely wrong. This is church. This is a body of believers sitting in this room. We may not have a, uh, a church building as such. We might be in a cafeteria at a nursing home. I might not have a pulpit. I might just have a, ta- a tray table. But we are in church. This is the church. The church is the body of believers. Not a do- church denomination, not a building, not a parking lot, not a church board member, or whatever the case is. The church is the entire body of believers. And the church is all of us and all the other denominations that believe biblically in the Bible and, and, and by salvation. We're all part of that church. Jesus isn't someday going to have when we get to heaven and say, well, you need to stand here, you're this denomination, you need to stand over there, you're that denomination. That's not going to happen. We're all His. All the church is His. Jesus knew, though, that, and that's why He was praying for it. I fully believe that that's why He's praying for it. He knew there was going to be, be problems with unity among believers. People's going to always find some way to pick on someone for what they believe or pick on someone for how they act or or whatever the case is. There always is going to be so I don't like how that preacher talks. I don't like his accent. There's always going to be something that may be something that they can, they can cause to, to break the unity of the church. Jesus was praying for us. I think we should all pray for it too whenever we, we have our prayer time. Just pray for, for unity, and I mean as a whole, as our country, whatever the case is, as across the world, the whole church, to be unified because... We all need to be on e- with each other, so on each other's side. We can't t- you know, go out and, and witness and, and proclaim Jesus on our own. We need to all be on each other's side. We need to be always covering ourselves in prayer. You see all these things Jesus prays for. Yeah, I know he was praying for himself and for his disciples at the time, and now we're actually talking about us that he was praying for, but why isn't it a good example for us to follow? It was penned in, in, in his word for a reason. It's, a good, it's good now as it was then for us to follow. And one other thing I want you to see is we as believers possess the Lord's glory within us. It speaks of it in those verses that I spoke to you there about. You know, here again, it kind of goes back to the church unity, so I'm not going to retouch on the point completely. But do we see our fellow believers in the glory of Jesus in them, or do we see something wrong with them? Do we all... you know, we can always be guilty of this. We always want to judge, what's the old saying, judge the book by the cover? You know, sometimes we want to look at, at, at things on the outside, but, but we truly don't see until we interact and, 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 and see the glory of Jesus within someone. We don't, we don't get that, that to see through the, the outer shell sometimes of people. Sometimes we want to pick on them for how they talk, what they look like, or we try to divide people according to ethnicity and, and, and race and things of these natures. Do we, why don't we just start looking for the glory of Jesus in, the, in people that are believers? Instead of trying to divide stuff like that, instead of trying to say, well, I'm right, you're wrong, and you do things kind of weird over here in this way, and why, why do we try that? Why don't we just start trying to search for the glory in the people? Why don't we start trying to look for the good and, and, and look at Jesus through their lives and see what he's doing in their lives instead of trying to pick something out that we don't like? It's human of us sometimes. We all can be guilty of it sometimes. I mean, myself included. But 
it's, it's, it's difficult, but it's, it's something we need to, need to do. And then lastly, Jesus declares the, the Father's name. In the last verses, and I have declared to them your name and will declare it, that the love with which you love me may be in them and I in them. Jesus declares the Father's name in Jesus. In the, Jesus declares the Father's name in Jesus, and it's spoken out. I feel that this means that we should be, once again, like I said before, speaking out, declaring the Father's name in our lives. Going up to people sometimes, and, and you know, like I said, don't, don't take them off guard now sometimes, because then, then they might get on the defensive if, if they're not a believer. But, you know, have a conversation. Start talking about it, and, and kind of lead into the subject. Well, do you know Jesus? Just kind of lead into it. Don't necessarily have to go out and, and, and have your fists up right off the bat. Just kind of go and declare, speak out the Father's name. I always remember and I always use, whenever I witness to somebody, I always use the Scripture in John chapter 14 and think of verse 6 where John says, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. He speaks it very plainly there, and I, I'll say this, and I'll end it with this today. When we declare the Father's name, that might be a good scripture for you to just jot down in your Bible. I'm sure everyone's heard it. It's a well-known when you hear it, probably at funerals all the time and everything else. But it's so plain and simple. And, you know, I'm kind of one of those guys myself. Whenever, whenever the pastor led me to Christ, I, I didn't want all the, I, I wanted the plain, simple version. I wanted to lay it out, A, B, and C. Well, that kind of does lay it out, A, B, and C. I'm the way. Jesus is the only way to the Father. I'm the truth. There's only one truth, and that's Jesus in the Bible. And I'm the life. Jesus is the only way to eternal life, which is the importance of sharing the gospel with all those that are not yet believers. Because Jesus, he prayed for everyone that are believers and that will become believers. So he's still praying. We still have him praying for, for all those that, that, that don't know Jesus yet. So why don't we start? Why don't we be praying for him also? Amen. All right, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we, it's hard for us to imagine, Lord. You know, especially that last point, it's really, truly hard for me to imagine. But you were praying for me, and you were praying for all these people in this room before they, they even had a, a, a birthday and a spiritual birthday. It's amazing. It's just amazing that you were doing all that. And Lord, you, you were praying for there to be unity, and you were praying for all these things that, that well, it's, sometimes we can see it become a problem in our churches today. And Lord, we just ask that, would you give our, us the hearts to pray like you did? Would you give us the hearts to pray for ourselves and pray for our fellow believers, pray for all those that don't, don't know Jesus yet? We just keep praying for them because, well, it's what we're called to do. We're called to, to be witnesses of Jesus. And I pray in this room this morning, and I think we all know most everyone, but I pray in this room this morning that, that if this, I'm the way, the truth, and the life sounds like something new, if, if maybe you've never been here before, or whatever the case is, it sounds like something new to you, and you just kind of make sense. I just pray that, that you'll make that truth in their hearts and break their, their hearts on that and, and, and send someone their way. And, and I'm, I'm going to kind of give an opportunity here this morning. I just feel that Jesus is leading me to 
to give an opportunity this morning and and uh, you know just if, if there's anyone here that, that doesn't know Jesus as their personal Savior now's the time there's you know don't wait till tomorrow don't wait till another day we never know what our days are I mean our days are numbered this might be the only chance we get I just pray that if they were in quietly in their seat and just prayed in their heart that you would say Jesus the best way I know possible I admit I'm a sinner and I, I admit that, that I, I, came sh- I come short of what your word says. But Lord, I believe that you died on a cross for me. You were buried. You arose again on the third day. And I give my heart to you this morning, this moment. And Lord, I ask you to come into my life and be my Savior. And I just pray that if, if anyone prayed that, that, well, you could come see me. Or if not, that's fine. But I just pray that, 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 that if anyone didn't, doesn't know Jesus, they, that they prayed that prayer. And Father, can you give us travel mercies as we leave this place today? Can you see that we get to our appointed place in, in safety? In Jesus' name, amen.